Thanks, y'all. Amazing. I've never gotten to wear the Britney Spears mic before. This is, this is incredible. Uh, as Chris said, my name is Dave McCune, and I get to be the youth pastor here, which is amazing. Been here for 10 years with my family, four years on staff. Um, my family, my wife, Virginia, and our four kids, you'll see them running around everywhere. They think they own the place now, which is just unreal. And I want to say thank you to a lot of you. If you came out and got your car washed a couple weeks ago, we were doing a fundraiser for students for our trip this summer to Ecuador, and we raised $2,000, which is amazing. We're, it's so good. We, we were hoping to get $1,000, and 2000 came in. And for those of you who have given throughout the last couple weeks since we had some amazing, they might be in the room, we had some freshmen up here. If you were here when the freshmen gave announcements, unbelievable. Thank you for your response. We've actually um, raised enough support that we can actually bring a gift to the school that we're going to to help them build a security fence down there, which is amazing that we're going to be able to do some of that work. So thanks for your generosity and for supporting students. We have the best students in Atlanta, y'all, right here. There's some around you. I'm so glad that y'all are here with us today. And you students, you've been through a lot the last couple of years. You've had stuff thrown your way that you didn't ask to get thrown your way. And um, you've had resiliency. And I want to especially um, give a big shout out to our seniors. So I don't know if we have any seniors in the room right now, but those, if you graduated, if you're graduating this year or last year, 20, 2021, 20, man, your graduation was so messed up. It should not have gone that way. And we, we just want to celebrate you. I'm not going to make you stand up, but if there's a senior around there, around you, can you look at them and make them feel the love? And can we just like clap for them or something? <laughs> Y'all are amazing. Uh, we are so proud of you. Uh, you're resilient people. So yeah, give seniors the love. Um, and students, I know this is uh, exam season, so we're glad that you're here with us. And if you chose to be here and not study or work on that final project, they're like, oh yeah, that's tomorrow. I'm really glad that you're here with us. Y'all, it's so good to be with you. Um, I'm so excited to share this and to have students together. It's one of my hopes that you'll see in the text this idea of making distinctions between people, that we not make distinctions between generations, that we belong to each other. And it's so cool that the text we're going to read in a minute is all about belonging. And that's the word. That's been our word in student ministry here at Trinity has been belong. And that's what we see today. Um, so let's read. We're going to be in Acts 11. If you'll turn to Acts 11 with me. Now, what I want to tell you about this, we're going to plop right in the middle of a story that gets told in Acts 10. And something that you can think about, a paradigm, as you read the book of Acts, is it's a story of the power of the Holy Spirit moving people together. All of Acts, in many ways, is a story of belonging. Who belongs to the story of God? Who are God's people? There's an incredible commentator, his name's William James Jennings. He says that when you read Acts, imagine you're the people in the story and ask, who's the Holy Spirit moving me towards? I want you to start asking that today and look in this passage as we read it. Who are we moving towards? So let's read. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him, saying, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners. And as it came close to me, as it came close to me, as I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, by no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven. 
what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. God's trying to get someone's attention here. Then everything was pulled up to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where they were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they heard this, they were silenced. And they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. God, we need your power in this moment. God, we live in a world where there's so much focus on where distinctions exist between us and the other. God, we grieve with the people of Buffalo right now who are experiencing that so acutely with racial division. God, it's everywhere in our world. And only by the power of your Holy Spirit can those who have no imagination for being together become one people and become your people. Holy Spirit, come. God, would you awaken in us imagination of what it looks like to belong to you and to the other. And God, would you give us a vision and courage to take steps forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Y'all, the news, if you you haven't got caught up, there was a shooting in Buffalo, New York, which is my hometown. And um, that's where I grew up. And uh, it really, that hit me heavy this morning. My parents still live there. And so to see that news, um, Marty, thank you for leading us through that time of reflection. Um, Because that's, you know, Buffalo people, they would love to much rather be known for jumping through flying tables and rooting for teams that have mediocre Super Bowl appearances. Like, we'd much rather be known for that. than this. And so we need the Holy Spirit. But for that to happen this morning for me was almost surreal because the message of this text is about people not making a distinction. And clearly, we have a lot of work to do in our world. So my heart is grieved um, at that news. And so I want to talk about how what was my hometown of Buffalo has shifted. And now this is my hometown, something that I never thought would be possible, that I could live in Atlanta. But here I am. How did this happen? I got to bring up my Gigi, My Gigi is an incredible woman. She's 92. Her birthday was two weeks ago. She still drives. She still plays bridge. She still gets her hair did in a big, big way. She's amazing. She might be watching right now. She's an amazing woman, and she's also very forward, very precocious in her questions. And when about 20 years ago, I was at this super fancy restaurant outside of Buffalo, New York, called Ruby Tuesdays, and (laughs) on a date with Gigi, and we're hanging out, and I had been dating my soon-to-be wife, well, current wife, didn't know at the time, just three weeks in or so, um, and she took me out to Ruby Tuesdays. That's her thing. She's like, David, this girl's from Atlanta. How could you, do you think you could actually marry her and, like, live in the South? I'm like, Grams, like, three weeks. Slow down. All right, slow down. She's like, yeah, but could a Buffalo boy ever, ever live in the South? And I'm like, Grams, there's no way. I will never live in the South. It's too hot. 
There's not enough snow. I legit had a friend who said, do they even have ATMs in the South? Like we're <laughs> ignorant Yankees, I guess. Like there's this thing called Chick-fil-A. Like I, there's, I don't know what that is. It sounds interesting. Um, I, I thought there was no way. Like that, that is nothing. I could never belong to that story was what I thought. Um, but what happened? Clearly, I'm here now. I've been here for over 10 years. And I didn't read any more books and get smarter. I didn't like read a travel book on Atlanta. Like, oh, huge aquarium. Yes, that's my place. Let's go. Oh, uh, mediocrity in sports. Yes, let's go. I'm sorry. Hey, I was really upset when the Falcons lost, by the way. They're my number two team. I love the Falcons. I got upset in the Aaron Murray play with the dogs. My heart has gone out to the dogs. But also to Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech needs a shout out here every now and again, people. I, I draw no distinction between that. I, I can do that. But what happened? It wasn't that I got smarter, listened to a podcast. No, I had an experience. As I got to know my wife and had an experience with a person, and my heart was drawn to her and melted towards her and also melted towards a place and a people. And I realized I could belong here. And that's what we see going on in a text like this. People have an experience with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And God's people who originally thought, hey, if we get power from God, that's going to let us lord over everybody and bring our culture to be the one culture that exists over everybody. But what they find out and they're surprised by through the book of Acts is that the power of the Holy Spirit is not to dominate people, but it's to bring people together into a bigger story, a story of a kingdom. It's a story to give me the languages of someone else's language to go be near them or learn their story and invite them to be part of the story that Jesus is telling. A guy who went to the cross and died on behalf of others who weren't part of maybe his ethnic story. That's the big surprise. And that's what we start to see happening here. So let's jump in. Let's look. We're in Acts 11. What's the first thing that we see happen? The first thing that we see happen in Acts 11 is that Gentiles experience the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts 11, when you get to this chapter, it's an exact retelling, almost word for word, of what happens in chapter 10. That means we should pay attention. Biblical writers do not repeat themselves without reason. Biblical writers do not repeat themselves without reason. They want you to pay attention. There's something happening. That, that was my dad joke. I get one dad joke. Okay, that's it. That's it. In chapter 10, you see a story of Gentiles coming to know Jesus. Now, a Gentile is someone who's not ethnically Jewish. And then you see Peter telling it again, there is something revolutionary happening, something expansive happening in the minds and the hearts of what it means to belong to God's people. So why is it a big deal that these Gentiles now have the Holy Spirit and have experienced and accepted the Word of God? Well, it's a question of belonging. For the early Jewish Christians, there was a fence of those who were inside and outside, those who could potentially belong to the story of God and those who couldn't. And if you were in the fence, that meant that you followed the Jewish customs, the dietary laws that we see talked about with those animals on the sheet, like coming up and down. And there are social laws about going into people's houses. There were hundreds of laws. And if you agreed to those laws, if you could follow those, you were inside the fence, you could belong to the story of God's people. And so these, these Gentiles... Now, the guy's name is Cornelius. He doesn't get named in 11. He's named in chapter 10. He is way, way, way beyond the fences. So that's why this is a big deal. So what makes Cornelius so far outside? Well, first of all, he's Roman, and he's a soldier. We have to remember the Jewish people were people who lived under the foot of empire. Their culture was always one step away from being assimilated or being dominated. 
So the Romans were the ones who represented, you know, they were literally the empire. You think Star Wars? Like, they're Darth Vader. Caesar is Darth Vader, and a centurion is like a stormtrooper. Not great aim, apparently. Thank you, my fellow nerds. Thank you. Okay, he's a Roman soldier. He represents empire. So immediately there'd be no trust. Like, how could this guy ever belong to the story of God's people? He should never belong to this story. But then there's other things culturally about him. A centurion wasn't allowed to marry, but he had a family. We know that, that Cornelius had a household. That means he has family outside of what the Jews would have considered marriage. So even outside of their, their morality laws, he sits out of that. How could this person really ever belong to God's story? But there's something curious about him because he had a reputation. This guy Cornelius had a reputation as a God-fearing man, gave alms to the poor, and prayed continuously. So there's something going on. And if you connect the dots backwards, you'd be able to see from our vantage point, God was setting up this kind of story all along. All throughout the book of Acts, you see this happening with people who shouldn't belong to God's story being invited in. But up until now, those who came in also became devout Jews. In chapter 2, when Pentecost happens, you see devout Jews from all sorts of different ethnicities receiving the Holy Spirit, but they're still devout Jews, meaning they've taken on all these cultural norms as well. So something new is happening here. So we see a guy way outside the fences suddenly belonging. Now, have you ever felt outside the fence of belonging? Have you ever felt outside? Maybe you're here today and you think, okay, I'm here because I'm curious about Jesus. I'm curious about what we're talking about in church, the Holy Spirit. But I wouldn't say I belong to this story yet. Say, Cornelius is your guy. And this is an opportunity to lean in and listen. Because you might think, I'm way outside the fences. I don't listen to, that, to the right music. I don't listen to 104.7 The Fish. Or I don't have that like, big study Bible. I don't have a WWJD bracelet. Okay? I think there's permission for us to say, maybe it's not about all those cultural markers, but there's something else. We listen to the Holy Spirit first. What happens next? Peter faces criticism and questions of belonging, which I could have just renamed this. Peter's the first documented case of cancel culture happening. Why do people build fences? It's simple. People build fences because they want to feel safe. And that's not always a bad thing. We have fences because we want to feel safe. There are safe, appropriate fences that we build. When you're a kid, you need to know a sense of belonging. You need to feel beloved. You need to know not to cross the street. You need to know uh, not to touch the hot stove. Right? So there are fences that protect us for a season of life that eventually we're meant to have freedom from. Those are totally good, totally normal thing. In fact, in many ways, the Jewish people, these cultural norms and laws were God's way of saying, you belong to me. You are my special beloved people. But he was about to expand their vision of that. Now, there's also toxic fences, something we call maximalist fences. There's an idea called maximalism. You see it all over our world right now. Maximalism is where you have very strong opinions held uncompromisingly. Do you see this anywhere in our world right now? Where if you defer just one little bit from all of these strongly held opinions, all of a sudden you are outside of the family. You are canceled. This happens on Twitter. This happens in school classrooms. This happens in friend groups. Some of you have experienced this maybe in your friend groups in school, students. This is kind of the world we live in. Why? There's a spirit of fear in our world. And when people are afraid, we draw fences. It's a natural thing to do. So we have some fences, again, that are appropriate that we eventually grow out of, but some of these fences are toxic. And I'll say this, a lot of them, the tragedy is, they come out of places where we have been wounded in our lives, where we have felt threatened. 
for these early Jewish Christians, they lived under empire. It makes sense. I have a lot of compassion for them. Before we point fingers and say, How, why couldn't you guys just accept these people? It would be obvious. Let's see that we're probably more like them than like Peter. We want to be like Peter. He's the open-minded guy, right? He's the one who's accepting of these new people and their story. But I think, if I'm honest, I'm more like the friends who are critical and saying, really? Really? Do you understand the hundreds of years that we've had to live with, oppressed by someone else just to maintain a culture that still survives? I think it makes sense that they'd be critical. But guys, for us, if you have received at some point a wounding from the church that has made you draw fence, I'm so sorry. And I pray that it's only with the power of the Holy Spirit that we can reimagine what these things look like. And I got to imagine that at some point what happened in Buffalo, New York, that this man who drove 200 miles across the state to inflict this racial violence, a white man going to a black part of the city of Buffalo, that for somewhere in his life there is a wound. And this is not to say he's not responsible. He should face justice and is fully responsible. But somewhere down there, there is a wound um, that resulted in a fence drawing and a distinction drawn between people. I think there's an invitation for us to humbly see where do I have fences that maybe are not meant to be there long term? Where is God inviting me outside the fences? Peter then tells a story of the Holy Spirit's power. This is the, the heart of this story. None of this can happen without the Holy Spirit's power. Peter is seeking the Spirit. I don't know if you caught it, it went fast and it was a long reading. But Peter's hungry, so they put some food on, and then he has a dream, and this is like a warning. Don't like start praying fervently if you're really hungry, because like weird stuff happens. Peter has this dream of all these animals on a sheet. The sheet goes up and down and up and down. And then and these animals fell outside of what it meant to be Jewish, outside the kosher laws, the dietary laws. And uh, it had to go three times to get Peter's attention. And then it involved other people magically showing up on his doorstep in his mind and saying, come to Joppa because we've been praying for you to come to us. It's incredible. And the Spirit has to tell him. It says, the Spirit said, go to their house. Now again, for Peter to go, I'm sure he's thinking like, this is crazy because what will my friends think of me if I go there? That's food and social interactions like this, they matter a ton. They still matter to us today. If you come to my house on a Friday night, I'm making you pizza and I hope you eat it. It'd be great. I might even make you cream of wheat. Now, some of you would say, I have never profaned my lips with cream of wheat before because I'm a good Southerner. We put sugar in it and stuff. Cream of wheat's like the Northern grits. Do we know? I thought, we do know. Okay. It's actually pretty good on a, every now and again on a cold, rainy day. But food matters. If you come to someone's house and eat their food, you're saying, I align with you. Like, I affirm you. All right? We're about to go to Ecuador with our students. They're going to serve us guinea pig down there. Students, you don't have to eat that. But if you did, they'd be like, mad respect. Mad respect right here. There'll be other ways for us to show our belonging with uh, different kinds of foods. Don't worry. Now, what about going into someone's house? If you go into your neighbor's house today, people would say, oh, yeah, you must be, you're cool with them. We're good. We're fam, right? I don't know the last time you were in a school lunchroom, but I know when I was a kid, it hasn't changed much. Imagine back then. Imagine the first time you walked into a lunchroom elementary school, middle school, high school. In my high school, there were no assigned seats at lunch. You could sit wherever, but it didn't take long for there to be assigned seats, if you know what I mean, right? Within about a week, lines were drawn, and people knew, okay, I belong here, you belong there, and if you cross the lines, it's going to get weird, all right? So let's just not make it weird. Let's just exist in our little fenced-off tables. 
I remember once I tried to go sit at like the popular kids table and it was weird. I just sat there. They didn't talk to me and my friends were over here saying like, what are you doing, Dave? I didn't try that again. It was too weird. And as a teacher a couple years ago, I saw the same thing happening. And I, students, I don't know about your school, if it's the same, um, but the school that I taught at, I saw this. I was like, you guys sit in the same seat every day. Why? No one gave you these seats, but you're choosing this? Like, why? Why don't you just sit at the other table and you can see the resistance? It's like, no, no way. I'm not, I'm not going there. It's not worth it. It would not be worth it to cross those lines. Because if this exists in school classrooms, how, I mean, this is a real thing today. All the more. What about Russians and Ukrainians right now? Right? We don't have to look far in our world to see people who are like, it's too much work for us to be one people. It's too much work. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not the power of the Holy Spirit, again, to dominate and say, you have to accept my ways, or one of us has to win here. But actually, both of our stories, we can maintain what makes us uniquely us, but join a bigger story together. That's the invitation that we're drawn to. Finally, we see Peter's friends move from criticism to curiosity to worship. This is maybe the biggest miracle of this account, is that you have these people who are initially incredibly critical, but within the course of a story being told, they start to undo what they thought their vision of God was, one that had been passed down for centuries, that had withstood empires' worth of persecution and attempts to assimilate them, And through the power of the Holy Spirit, they're able to have a new imagination of what it means to belong. They had the humility to say, like, maybe what I thought of God was way smaller than I could have imagined. I think there's an invitation for us to also consider that. In a sense, they viewed, the way they used to view God, if it was a fence, and here's who's in and who's out, they went just like that in this miracle of a moment to the fences coming down, and saying maybe God is more about having a center that we're all oriented towards. And there's people who are way outside the fences, a Cornelius, who's now moving towards the center with Jesus at the center. And there might be people who are like at the center and look like they have it all together, but actually they're walking the other way. They look like they have it all together, but they're missing out on it. And in a moment, their, their mindset expands for who belongs to the big story. And that's where I want us, and I challenge you, um, to sit with. We'll put up some questions for reflection right here for us to have a moment. This has been our practice recently here. Because none of this can happen without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It wasn't like Peter and his buddies one day were thinking, hey, this whole spreading the gospel thing and inviting people to be part of the Jesus story would be way easier if we just did away with kosher laws. Like They just didn't come up with that. These people were earnestly seeking the Holy Spirit. They were making space for the Holy Spirit in their life when this happens. It's all throughout the book of Acts. I encourage you and challenge you to read it. So in a minute, when we reflect, we're going to start that process by just, I invite you to open your hands. Now for us, opening our hands is a way for my body to do what my soul is doing. If my spirit's going to be open, it helps me to open my hands, open my body as well. So I invite you to do that. And then we'll ask this, how offenses distracted me from the center? And with humility, ask. Put ourselves in the place of those friends with Peter. And then ask this, who is this Holy Spirit inviting me to move towards? Who's the Holy Spirit inviting me to move towards? We each have those people in our lives. Now, yes, pray, please, for the the problems that are way big, way out there, that seem beyond us. But let's not get lost in what's right in front of our face. Pray for the healing 
um, among nations. Pray for racial healing. Pray, pray for social healing. Please do that. But also don't miss the opportunity right in front of you. Right now, be thinking, is there a family member? Is there a coworker? Is there someone in one of my biology classes? Is there a teacher? Is there someone who I am invited to move towards? Is there a neighbor? And ask the Holy Spirit's power in your life to move towards them. And then finally, ask for courage to take a step. One step today. And ask, does the Holy Spirit have one thing that would be put on my heart to move towards this person? Y'all, I heard a really encouraging story. This is where I'll end with. I was talking to a friend um, who's a pastor here in Atlanta. And he was, we were commenting on all the different cultures of churches that we have here. And it's sort of like the lunchroom thing, right? Like, okay, you're here and you're here and you're here. We have our different ways of doing churches and it's hard for us to maybe cross some of those lines. And he said, Dave, how many churches are in Atlanta? And I thought about it. It's like, I don't, I don't know. There could be like 10,000 churches here. And he looked at me. He's like, no, there's one church. There's one church in our city. One people oriented towards Jesus. That's the vision. Now, we have a long way to go. But that is something I'm still chewing on and it's still inspiring for me. What does it look like for us to be truly one people heading towards Jesus who come from different places and needs the power of the Holy Spirit? So let's invite that. So I invite you to reflect. Let's just spend a moment or two asking these questions and holding these questions that Dave has put before us, and then we will prepare for communion. But first, I just want to invite you to be still. Father, we all need help to receive the work of the Spirit that animates our own hearts and then moves us toward people that we may not easily be connecting with right now. And I pray, Father, that you would speak to each and every one of us, Lord, about what you're longing to do in us and how that's meant to work through us into the world around us, God. We pray that you would give us a heart, Lord, as... Marty said earlier that you would burden our hearts, God, not, not just for things that are really far away, but also, like Dave said, the, the relationships that are right here, that are proximate to where we live our day-to-day -day space. Father, we pray that we would move toward the other, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit.
if you're able, let's stand together.